Money FM 89.3, best of workday afternoon. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Good afternoon and welcome to Market View Wrap on Money FM 89.3. I'm Clarissa Montero for the Workday Afternoon, joined in the studio by finance presenter JP Ong and on the phone by Jeff Howie, market strategist from the SGX. It's been, um, I want to say tumultuous, but not really so much on the market. It's been a tumultuous amount of news affecting markets around the region mm-hmm. and maybe the US, but... <clears throat> We here in Singapore have actually been pretty shielded from it. The SDI currently up 0.1% to 3,431 points. JP, set the table for us. Indeed. Thank you so much, Clarissa. And as we head into the uh, weekend, we are seeing that the Straits Times Index is holding on and resisting this broader sell-off we're seeing across the region and across global markets that have shuttered over that bigger-than-expected inflation print from the United States, once again prompting the prospect of an outsized rate hike from the Federal Reserve next month. But still, the Straits Times Index um, still holding on to some of these slight gains and more resisting rather than thriving, I would say. The STI today up by 3.5 points, just inching up by 0.1% to 3,431. We've got valuation over still fairly uh, decent. I'd say about $647 million Singapore dollars in total trades changing hands. Today, though, we're seeing reversal of gators versus losers. There are now more uh, stocks, REITs, and trusts stuck in the red today than there are in the green. Now, only 144 offers on the SGX now gaining ground, and that trails the 209 losers. So perhaps we're starting to see some of the sentiment uh, starting to shift and perhaps wane for the STI. We are coming off a very strong and impressive um, uh, start to the year of the tiger, as we mentioned, for uh, local stocks. And keep in mind, we, we, uh, the STI is still up six straight days. And in those six days, we've actually seen them not just break past 3,300, but also 3,400 and comfortably holding on to that breach. So this resistance, at least, to the uh, uh, downturn today, while it's I- impacting markets differently, we are we do know that Japan, Japanese markets are offline for uh, in observance of a holiday today. The ASX 200 today has fallen, though, by about 1% to 7,217 points. We got the South Korean KOSPI also down by 0.7% to 2,752. The Thai X and Taipei also trading about 0.4% lower, slipping to 18,257. And we're also seeing losses out in mainland China, albeit mixed and a bit more subdued. The Shanghai Composite just trading trading two and a half points lower at 3,483. Shenzhen in the red falling by 41 points to 13,391. And we're seeing the Hang Seng currently trading about half a percent lower in Hong Kong, sliding 118 points down to 24,810. Now, As we mentioned a while ago, the STI looking quite good. But again, we just want to see how some of those high flyers at the start of the year, the Tiger, are actually doing today. And what do you know the banks, after taking a bit of a step back yesterday on potential profit-taking, well, they've, res- they've returned to winning ways. DBS ruling the roost up by 1.1% to $37.26, while we're seeing OCBC and UOB both up by about 0.4% each. And we're also seeing, though, that the REITs, once again, seem to be a bit mixed and a bit more shaky than, than their stock counterparts, Maple Tree Commercial. Trust falling half a percent to one dollar and eighty-three cents. We've got Ascendus REIT also down by zero point four percent to two dollars and eighty-eight cents. And we have, let's see, uh, Capitalon Integrated Commercial Trust today flat at two dollars and eight cents per unit. So once again, we might be seeing a slight divergence between how the REITs are performing versus how the stocks are. But overall, it's just enough to keep the STI afloat. And we'll have to cross our fingers to see if we can make it seven straight days of gains at the start of the year of Tiger. Mind you, we have not yet seen a losing session for the straight. 
Straits Times Index since the start of the year, the Tiger. Let's hope they can actually keep that streak at least for today so we can head into the weekend with a slight grin on our face. All right, we bring Jeff Howie, market strategist from the SGX, into the conversation. First of all, Jeff, did you enjoy some chair dancing? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, for a couple of days I was in the office this week, yeah. <laughs> All right. So the SCI has had a really great week. But if you want to basically wrap up the entire week, it can be described in two words in markets across the region and across the globe, really, inflationary concerns. Yeah, you're right. Um, interesting that you look at the S&P 500 index, it's not very far off from where it began uh, when Asia opened on Monday morning, most of the moves have been in treasuries, and and we've seen two-year U.S. yields. Uh, uh, they're 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 currently at near 1.6 percent after beginning the week at around 1.3 percent. Ten-year yields are also up uh, above two percent after beginning the week at 1.9 percent. Now, this time when we were chatting last Friday, the expectations for a 25 basis point hike at the 16th of March FOMC, we're at 84%, with 16% expectations for a 50 basis point rate hike. Now, expectations have flipped after last night to only 13% expectations for a 25 basis point hike at this upcoming FOMC, and as high as 87% expectations for a 50 basis point hike. And the biggest catalyst for the about face, that increased hawkish outlook for the FOMC, is, which is still six weeks away, was that US January CPI report, which came in marginally above expectations at 7.5% growth year on year, but that's still the highest on record since February 1982. Now, on top of that, a lot of Fed speak last night has also impacted the increased hawkish expectations. The potential for a 50 basis point hike uh, if inflation did not moderate, it was put to the Fed chair back on the Jan 26 FOMC press conference. I think it was the, the FT economic editor who asked... Um, who asked uh, the Fed chair about that. And he, he did note the chair that the decision was yet to be made and the Fed will begin to address the question as it moves into the March meeting and meetings after that. That was exactly what he said. He, he obviously didn't rule it out. So after that inflation print, we saw uh, James Bullard tell Bloomberg News, he's, he's the St. Louis president of the Fed, he, he would expect to see a 100 basis point hike by the 1st of July, while the former Richmond Fed Reserve President Jeff Lacker also noted on Bloomberg News that the Fed is clearly late on the tightening process. Uh, and then there was another, uh, another uh, third, third, third uh, speaker, that's the current Fed Reserve Bank President for Richmond, um, that's Tom Barkin. He told this Stanford Institute for Economic Policy Research he would conceptually be open to raising interest rates by a bigger than usual half a percentage point incre increment, but does not see the need for it now. So this, this also expectations for a 100 basis point hike by the time of the 15th of June FOMC rise from 30% to 46%. Expectations for a 125 basis point hike rise um, at that uh, FOMC on 15th June, that rose from 3% to 38%. So it's repricing interest rate expectations that it's having the big impact. Still got a long ways to go. Plenty of Fed speak. Uh, January C PPI, PPI for US will be 
uh, next week. Um, PCE deflator, um, another CPI report on the 10th of March before the 16th March FOMC is ahead. Now, while the S&P 500, as we said, is flat, Global bank stocks have continued to outperform on the inflation outlook. The trio of DBS, OCBC and UOB, as as JP said, they were mixed today, but they've still averaged 4.2% gains this week. That brings their average year-to-date gain to 17.6%. Now, it's not just Sing banks. Of the 70 or so listed banks across Asia-Pacific that maintain market caps of more than $10 billion US dollars, UOB does rank among the top five performers in the year to date. OCBC ranks among the top 15, and DBS ranks among the top 25 performers so far in the year to date of those 70 or so uh, that are listed across APAC with that market value of at least 10 billion US dollars. Within the STI, OCBC, UOB, DBS have also been recipient to the highest net institutional inflows. Um, for the past five sessions, it brings their total net institutional inflows for the three banks. Uh, right through to yesterday's close to 1.3 billion, following around 1.7 to 1.8 billion of net institutional flow last year. Um, and what that mean is that the banks have led the STI to its 3.1% gain this week, because the banks, of course, make up 45% of the STI. And that actually means that as of now, we're standing on a 10% year-to-date gain for the STI. But that's expected. I mean, the bank's doing well on the rumours, well, not so much rumours anymore, that the Fed is going to raise interest rates Mm. helps them because banks benefit from raised interest Mm. rates. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Just to add to that also, Jeff, before we go on, I mean, it was also noted um, earlier, uh, just a couple of days ago, that um, we started to see, we're starting to see that the that the yield curve, because it's not just the rise of the yield curve, but also the steepness of it, right? And this is something we've talked about in depth in the last couple of weeks. There is a bit of a flattening actually in the yield curve. Is this something that should be cause for concern for anyone watching, not just Singapore's banks, but also other banks that might be dependent on the steepening of the yield curve? Or again, should we focus more on the domestic yield curves, like the one here in Singapore, for instance? Yeah, I think you can be focused on a multiple of them. But the reason for that steepening is obviously the... Uh, the the levers needed to contain inflation in the in the in the shorter run will be higher than what's required for the longer term, and that's really on the back of the inflation being driven by what was firstly initially seen as transient factors, mm-hmm. but really driven by these current factors that include energy prices and supply chain constraints. And those are issues that uh, could be cyclical and can change in the long term um, significantly too. At the same time, the Omicron variant, as we know, has been a lot more transmissible but a lot less severe. That's had a pretty impact as well. Now, if unfortunately uh, things with the COVID-19 do take a turn with the worst with another variant, then that can affect uh, the the activity or the, the, the variables that have been driving inflation pretty quickly. Um, hence, uh, that uh, I guess that long-term uh, rate hikes throughout the, you know, beyond the next two years to the next 10 years aren't so aggressive as what we're looking at right now with that um, pretty high inflation print. In fact, on the Omicron front, I should, I should mention there, there has been some, I guess, good developments there because... Um, if you, not just the banks, but airlines, hospitality and leisure sectors have also led the global stocks this week. So um, you might recall daily new global confirmed cases of COVID-19 
uh, it, it reached a peak of around 3.4 million a day back on the 24th and 25th of Jan. And that smooth daily average has now come back down to 2.5 million cases. So back when that average uh, returned below 3 million cases on 3rd of Feb, um, we've seen these sectors actually start to outpace a little. Um, since the end of January, you've got Singapore Airlines gaining 6.6%. I think Singapore uh, uh, SIA Engineering Corp is up 6.1%. Gunting Singapore is up 6.1%. CDL Hospitality Trust has gained 8%, which includes the dividend distribution. And Singapore Airlines has also seen $77 million of net instant inflow this year. Um, and that 7% um, price gain uh, thereabouts um, has taken its share price to around $5.34 at the lunch break. Tech stocks were a little bit more mixed. Um, the Philadelphia SOX index added 2% over the Asia week, while global internet stocks averaged marginal declines. So you've got um, various, uh, you know, what we've basically seen is throughout the year today, that outlook for supply chain disruptions and, of course, the increased energy costs which are the two key drivers of inflation at the moment, it did give global investors a reason to adjust some of their exposure to the tech sector and take some money off the table, given the strong returns of last year. And also uh, last year, remember, that SOX index gained 40%. So, so far this week, they've been more mixed. Grand Venture Tech... Technology gained 9%, UMS gained 1.6%, ISDN Holdings has gained 1.5%, while on the other side, AEMs declined 7 tenths of a percent, and Franken Group has declined 4.5%. That brings the average decline of the five in the year to date to around 11%. Meanwhile, Venture Corp, which reports its full year results after the Feb 25th close, so that's still two weeks away, um, that has gained close to 5% this week tipping its year-to-date gain to uh, to the green and up eight-tenths of a percent. All right. Now, there, there have been some developments here on our stock market. Some of it was rather uh, salacious, you know, with the fight with uh, Keppel and SBH, for example, but also Maple Tree and what was said by Quartz. I mean, how do these kinds of things, how should they be read by investors? Well, I, th- I think investors... Some investors will read it, some won't, some will take the view, some will, will take the view. No, but this is this is all part of having an open market with plenty Indeed. of opinions and different ideas, different motivations, different risk profiles, etc. So, uh, you know, this is all, all part and parcel of having a, a stock market that's... Uh, open for business, um, Clarissa, everyone having very different opinions. You know, when I was a broker back in the, back uh, when I started broking 25 years ago, I remember the adage on the desk was there, um, ours was to sell and buy, not to ask why. <laughs> so so, so, so that's, uh, that, that's where I'm coming from. <laughs> well, it's a good place to come from, I suppose. Yeah, exactly, and and look, there's also there's a, there's so much on for the for the for the for the week ahead as well. Uh, big week for earnings. DBS is expected to report, but will will report before the Monday open. IFAS reports after the Monday close. Far East Hospitality Trust will report before the Tuesday open. UOB will report before the Wednesday open. Um, OUE Commercial REIT Prime US REIT report after Wednesday close. Gunting Singapore is after the Thursday close. Sasser REIT will open before the Friday open. Data, big data as well for Singapore. Thursday, 8.30 a.m., we'll have our final estimate for GDP for 2021. Expected to be marginally higher than 7.2%. 
maybe 7.3%, um, which is basically on the back of the uptick in manufacturing activity at the end of last year. The industrial production, remember, grew 13% for the whole of last year. Nodex will also be released at the same time, 8.30 Thursday morning. It's expected to have grown 12% year-on-year in January. That follows 18% growth in December last year. We saw reports, remember, this week there's been resilient regional trade, but at the same time, you've got that high growth base of Nodex last year as well. And, of course, Singapore budget uh, will be delivered at 3.30pm uh, next Friday, when we can, and we can talk about that closer, closer to the time. <clears throat> Jeff, you know, just so you can't accuse me of not reading what you put out, I did see earlier this week on the Business Times, you did talk about those net institutional inflows coming yeah. into Singapore. You see, I read some of the oh, stuff you, you put out you, there. And, you must have been the other reader. Yeah, uh, me and, uh, yeah, my, uh, yeah, and my and my neighbor as well. But anyway, um, but here's the thing. Um, I, I, I noticed that, you know, when you look, you have to take a stock of how well the STI has done in the year of the Tiger also. A lot of the institutional inflow coming in. My question to you is, since you have a closer a pulse, actually, of what's going on at the SGX. Is the, are the inflows coming from institutionals here, or are they also coming from outside, outside, meaning are there also a lot of foreign funds coming back into Singapore and perhaps viewing this as a bit of a safe haven? Because we can't ignore the fact that the STI has been a lot more stable than almost any other um, index in Asia-Pacific and maybe even the world. Yeah, look, I mean, most of it comes down to index composition, mm-hmm. uh, JP. And yes, uh, the banks, as we said, have gained 17% in the year to date. That has been uh, the, 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 the real reason um, why. But then you've got also got Singtel as well. That's, that's kept pace with, mm-hmm. the, with the STI. That's also up 9.9% So it's not just the banks. Yeah, yeah, aside from the banks. So Singtel has uh, also seen the highest amount of net institutional buying um, after the three banks. And th- those flows are a mixture of both local institutional and uh, and international uh, institution. We break it down by institutional, the institutional market participant. We don't actually break down then further whether it's domestic institution or international. But of course we do, of course we, we, we are attracting international flows. That's why, why uh, when you look across all the different uh, indices, uh, Singapore is highly correlated with the broader ASEAN index because we say we we do share very we share the same parent indices and of course portfolio managers do uh, trim or I should say adjust their exposures um, to the region uh, going overweight underweight usually on a on a regional basis and that also impacts and of course we're very economically integrated with the region so there's there's a number of reasons why you have those um, th- those type of flows international and domestic. A few more hours of trading ahead of us. The SCI still um, in the green up 0.1%, 3,431 points. Are we going to close in 3,400, JP? I think that's uh, probably <laughs> going to be looking quite well. I think the bigger question is, will the SCI give up this 3.5-point gain? But look, I mean, it's a 3,431. You're going to have to look at a pretty significant decline for the SCI to do this. And given the fact that we've noted that the confidence there, look, maybe this very impressive rally is starting to lose steam. But again, just because it's losing steam doesn't mean that we're going to see this massive capitulation. That said, we, this is a time when it, that, might, that might see us ripe for some profit-taking, perhaps taking some money off the table. We'll have to wait and see. But uh, ending below 3,400 today, I don't know. I, if you were asking me to take a bet, I'd probably bet against that happening. But again, a lot can happen if profit-taking accelerates in the next couple of sessions. All right. This has been Market View Wrap on Money FM 89.3. I'm Teresa Montero. He is finance presenter JP Ong, who will have another Market View for you in a few hours. And maybe then we'll see if we held on to 3,400. Jeff Howie joined us today. 
market strategist from the SGX, as he always does on Fridays. Stay with Singapore's most influential radio station. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objective. And that's a wrap for today's episode. But before I go, I've got something special to share with all of you. If you're into deep dives on thought-provoking topics and engaging conversations, do tune in to Chua Tien Tien's award-winning podcast, Under the Radar. It is a B2B segment focused on how a company assesses its business environment and how the firm finally performs financially. So please listen and follow our podcasts on the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. I'm Lin Li Fu and you're listening to Money FM 89.3.